Welcome back, friends, to another episode of the Buy Back Your Life show. My name is Andrew Ferguson. I am your gracious host. Thank you for listening. Today, we're talking about the November seasonality of the stock market. Before that, if you want to learn how to actually get started with stock options and make a full year's income in 30 minutes a day, like I did last year, all from my smartphone, make sure you guys check out www.tradingoptionsdaily.com. There you're going to find a link to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which I put out every Thursday, along with some beginner articles, some how-to videos, and some other free great resources to get you started down the rabbit hole of stock market and stock options investing if you choose to do so. All right, with that being said, let's get into the episode and talk about the November seasonality of the stock market. So if you guys remember back to October, we were talking about just kind of the trends that we can expect to see in the month coming up and now as it is recording this on a spooky Halloween night, October 31st, it is the new month upon us, November, 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 November. We just came out of one of the best months of the last decade almost in the stock market for October, but that is also following some very poor markets in August and September. There was a lot of blowback and there was just kind of a recovery in October. So it's hopefully setting up for a good November. And this is coming, this data that I'm about to kind of spoof you guys, it's uh, through Thackray's 2022 Investor's Guide, same kind of resource I used before. And it's just a way that you can actually look and see the data statistically, historically over the past 30, 40, 50, 60 years, even 100 years sometimes in this book. And it just gives you a way to interpret the data so you can tailor your investing at different parts of the year. Because if we do and use seasonality correctly, we are tilting the odds to give us a better chance to make successful trades. When we do that, we tend to make more money. Not all the time, mind you, but tend to. So here's what it says about November. I'm going to give you a couple things here to think about, and we will take it and go. On average, November is one of the better months of the year. It is ranked number two in the NASDAQ, which is the tech sector. It is ranked number two in the Dow Jones. It is ranked number one. Number one in the S&P 500 for average gain percent of the time that it's positive. And the statistics look like this. There is an average gain in the month of November for the S&P 500, which is the 500 biggest companies in the US. The last 70 years, 1.7% as a whole, average. There have been ups, there have been downs, but on average, it goes up 1.7% for the month. It is positive 69% of the time. I believe, for kids, you not, it's not just the number that I made up. It is actually 69%. So when we see these numbers, we can think that, hey, this is statistically a good month. When I were going in and we're just getting right to that Christmas kind of area, we have Black Friday in November. We have a lot of buying in November. We have a lot of Thanksgiving kind of activities and festivities in the U.S. in November. So there's a seasonal period of strength there for the month of November. Breaking it down a little bit further to the kind of sectors that do really well in this month. Top of the list, you have industrials. You have kind of the metals and mining sector start very well in the last half of November, November 19th to be exact. Uh, they are looking for just kind of bigger kind of movements in, in the second half of the month. And it's kind of muted up until around the Thanksgiving kind of area. And then after that, things kind of open up a little bit. On top of that, you have consumer discretionary, which is uh, usually it beats the S&P 500 
65% of the time, the average gain for consumer discretionary, 2.7%. And then you have IT rounding up the top three at a 61% frequency above the S&P 500. So if you want to go and like layer down even further, if you want to go S&P 500, right, you're going 1.7% average gain, 69% of the time it's, it's positive. Then you can break it down to industrials, consumer discretionary, or IT, which IT is an average gain of 2.6%, and it is it outgains the S&P 61% of the time. A couple of things to kind of stay away from or just kind of be a little bit more passive and just make sure you have built a little bit more risk in these kind of uncertain kind of month for telecom, which is a 39% gainer on the S&P 500, which means 60% of the time it's going to get beat. You have energy 29% and utilities at 29%. The utilities actually have an average negative 0.4% return. So this is not the month you want to be nesting in utilities from a historical standpoint. That is just what the book is telling me here. So that's kind of something food for thought here. And if you break it down even further into like kind of some companies and subsectors, we'll go into the uh, material stock, which is the crazy kind of area. So a lot of people have heard of the idea of sell in May and go away, right? Because people are on vacation in the summertime. There's not as much trading in the summertime. So the idea is to kind of take it easy. Don't sell as much. Don't invest as much over the summer. There are still some sectors that do well, but generally Everybody comes back after September, everybody gets settled into their routine at work and they pick up the market and they kind of invest a little bit and a little bit trickles in in October and then a little bit more comes in at the end of October into November. So October 28th to January is a really good sector run for materials. They are positive 91% of the time and they have the period, like I said, October 28th to January 6th. And there's kind of a brief two week pause there in January and it picks up again and another strong seasonal period for materials, January 23rd to May 5th. However, in between that January 6th to 23rd period of time, there's an average loss of 2%, which means it just kind of, it gets beat up in the second and third week of January. I think people come back from the Christmas kind of rush and they're just kind of in a, in a little bit of a, a somber mood. A little bit of money gets taken out of the, those stock. People take and realize the gains from the after Christmas rush. Uh, that's my kind of thought on it. But materials do very well in this kind of run up to January. Another one that does really well, Home Depot. And this one is interesting because if you were paying attention during COVID, when everybody was locked down, so many people were buying lumber and buying different kind of products to improve the backyard, putting in swimming pools, all these different things around the house, these little pet projects that would never get done normally, they got done. And in such a fashion that Home Depot actually had a crazy return in 2020 and 2021 because of the lockdowns. But this is not uncommon for the stock. However, it is uncommon in the summertime when it, and it happened during COVID. October 28th to December 31st, Home Depot has a huge seri series of strength here. It is combining that period, October to December with January 9th to April 15th, when you average those two kind of areas together and compound the growth, positive 84% of the time, 19% gain is the average, okay? And 19% gain. So if you were just to buy Home Depot stock on October 28th, or if you listen to this November 1st and hold it to December 31st, then sell it, then buy it again January 9th and sell it April 15th, 84% of the time, that strategy, you're gonna get a positive return. And the average return is 19%, which is just insane. But again, you have to keep in mind, there have been years 
where that hasn't been the case. Point being 94, 95, negative four. 2003, 2004, 0.7 and 80 and negative 8.7. 2007, 2008, negative 3%. 2019 slash 2020, negative 16%. Okay. And then obviously 2020, 2021, 15%. There was a lot of growth in, in the after the COVID kind of strong period. So take it with a grain of salt, but in the last we're going back 30 years, one, two, three, four, five times it's been negative. The rest have been positive and a lot of double digit returns here on the chart. So Home Depot is something to consider. If it's not in your portfolio right now, maybe have a look at the chart, have a look at uh, how earnings came out and just see what you think about it. Just some food for thought there. Okay, the last one here we're gonna talk about is UPS. And I talked about this on a recent kind of YouTube video. I like to look at UPS and FedEx and they often front run the earnings reports. And this is what I mean by this, like the banks report first usually, and the banks kind of set the tone. If things are okay, you can expect decent earnings across the way. But if you look at UPS and the stock doesn't report good earnings, what is that telling you? It's telling you that they're not moving packages. Nobody's buying products. The amount of products being sold is less than what it was year over year or previous quarter. So that to me means there's not as much spending going on and that other industries are going to suffer as well. But if you see a good result from UPS, from FedEx, from all the shipping companies, that means products are moving. Supply chain issues aren't that big of a deal. People are spending money. That is good for the economy. That is tech, that's, Normally, that is good for the stock market as well. And I'd like to see that as a precursor for some things that we're going to go right in the earnings season. Now, with that being said, UPS did have a decent kind of little return here recently in the recent bout of earnings. And it did not translate through all of the tech companies, but think about companies that actually ship physical products. Home Depot is a great example in how this works in tandem. When you're shipping product like lumber, furniture, materials, steel, like all that stuff, it makes sense why those things do well. And UPS would also do well in this time period. Their, their period is actually October 10th to December 8th. And then it really cuts off and goes negative December 9th to March 1st. They have a shorter window here, but it is a good precursor and it's a good time as well. Think about all the Christmas activity that's going on. And there is a 12% growth or 12% return positively from October 10th to December 8th. And if you're shorting it, you have to add in December 9th to March 1st, to get that full return. But 86% of the time, this strategy is positive. Going back the last 20 years, you have three instances where it wasn't. And just it sets up the markets for better returns if UPS is doing well and not so good returns when you see that the package delivery service is not doing well. So those are kind of the terms and different kind of areas that I'm seeing in the book here for November. I hope you guys got some value out of this. Again, if you want to pick up a copy, you can find it on Amazon. It's Brooke Thackeray 2022 Investor's Guide. But there's also a great free resource online at equityclock.com. If you want to check out an individual company, if you want to look at a sector on its own, there is so much information out there for free if you just do a little bit of digging. And again, we're not trying to go too down, too far down the rabbit hole with this stuff. It's just about taking whatever companies that you like and just putting them on a calendar, right? There's, there's a reason why investors look at seasonality. It's because you want to give yourself the maximum percentage chance of making winning trades 
when you do that and plan things out a little bit better, generally more thought goes into your trade. You don't want to overanalyze, mind you, but you have this idea of when stocks perform best and you can use that to your advantage to hopefully make more money, more winning trades and make it a more positive experience for you as you invest in the stock market, which has been very challenging this year. I know from experience, I'm not sure some of you guys listening as well have been kind of holding stocks or getting burnt on a little bit of positions that have dropped. Thank you very much, Facebook, but it is what it is. We are all investing and know the risks. Hopefully we know the risks that are involved in this game. And if not, you're going to get humbled and you're going to figure out those risks really quick. So make sure you do your due diligence, understand what you're doing, use these stats as potentials, not actual hard, cold facts, right? We don't ever go and base this hundred percent on these numbers. We use them to make a more informed decision along with everything else we're using, chart analysis, uh, seasonality, stock news, corporate news, earnings, all that stuff goes into it. And you make your decision based on that, make the best decision possible you can as an investor, as a trader, and make sure you can defend it when you look back on it and your future self says, oh, why did I do that again? Because this, this, and this. Okay, it made sense then. It didn't work out. It did work out. You analyze and you move forward. You can't win every trade, but keep on working at it. Keep on getting better at it. Never give up and just keep being persistent, disciplined, and long-term, it'll work out for you as long as you applied those kind of principles. That's it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, if you want to check out some free resources on how to get started as a stock options investor or stock market investing as a whole, make sure you go check out www www.tradingoptionsdaily.com and check out the free email newsletter. I write it and send it out every single Thursday. I will catch up with you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.